from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Before our worship begins, I'd like to share with all of our members and friends a little bit about our financial situation. Regrettably, our projection for year-end reveals a deficit of $420,000 on our $5.7 million budget. While we've worked diligently to manage our resources and expenses, giving in 2022 and 2023 have fallen below expectations. I assure you that our trustees, session, and financial team have thoroughly explored all options to mitigate this situation. If we are unable to bridge this financial gap, difficult decisions will need to be made. This could include budget cuts, which might impact various aspects of our ministry, including a potential reduction in personnel for the year 2024. However, we believe that as a community bound by faith and shared values, we have the ability to overcome this challenge. And so I call upon each member and friend of First Pres to consider how you might be able to contribute to our financial strength. If you've already given in 2023 and have the capacity to go the second mile, please give more. If you've not given in 2023, please give today. You can mail a check, give by credit card, uh, give by stock transfer, or use the QR code that will be on the screen in just a few moments. Our congregation has had a successful capital campaign, securing pledges of over $36 million. Our ministries with children and youth are bursting at the seams. Our worship attendance, both online and in person, are strong. Our community ministries continue to serve our most vulnerable neighbors and friends with compassion and great care. Our staff is strong, gifted, and committed to serving the mission of the church. My hope is that our giving will increase uh, to support the strength of our ministry in this season of our life together. We will continue to communicate openly about our financial progress and any developments that we have as we move forward. Please keep our congregation, our leaders, and our shared mission in your prayers. If you have any questions or concerns, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. And thank you for tuning in to this week's broadcast. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, verses 11 through 16 and 20 through 24. Now listen to and hear the word of God. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will sort them out. As shepherds sort out their flocks when they are among scattered sheep, so I will sort out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the watercourses and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and they shall feed on the rich pasture of the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strays, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. 
but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide, I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be ravaged, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them, for I, the Lord, have spoken. Here ends our first scripture reading. Thank you, Ben. The text Ben read uh, comes from the lectionary uh, on this final day in the liturgical calendar, uh, this Christ the King uh, Sunday. The theme in front of us is that of shepherds and sheep. I'm sure you picked that up in chapter 34 of Ezekiel. The New Testament text is from the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, verses 27 and 28, just two verses. But for a bit of context, John chapter 10 is where Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. From verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open uh, your word afresh to us this day so that we'd be challenged, we'd be changed. We'd know of you and your son, Jesus Christ, in a more intimate way. We would know ourselves and who we're called to be. And that you would give us the grace to be transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I want to begin this morning by just talking a little bit about the prophet Ezekiel and hopefully setting the context and the stage for understanding the text that Ben read for us uh, this morning. This histor historical figure known as Ezekiel was a prophet uh, and a priest in, uh, in the, for the Jewish people, rather, uh, during the Babylonian exile. This is about six centuries before the birth of Christ. And during this time, the Jewish people actually had two nations, and each of those nations was governed by a single monarch, so two kings. Uh, in the land, in the regions, in the region that the Romans would one day call Palestine. The northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern kingdom was called Judah. And beginning in 597, the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, an infamous king, began a conquest whereby he captured the city of Jerusalem, this holy city, the capital city of the southern kingdom. And over the course of a decade, as he lay siege to uh, this uh, area of Israel, uh, ten years later, King Nebuchadnezzar eventually destroyed the temple, raising it from the ground 
the very home of God. God's glory rested in the temple. God's home was the temple. And so this was a catastrophic event in the life of the people of God. During this decade, during this 10 years, uh, Nebuchadnezzar began deporting Jewish religious and political leaders as well as many Jewish citizens, exiling them to Babylon. This is why this time period is often called uh, exile or the Babylonian captivity. Now, Ezekiel, in the first 33 chapters of the book that bears his name, uh, and I'm going to summarize these 33 chapters in just one sentence. Watch me. Um, he, he spends a good deal of time delivering messages of judgment and doom because of the people's infidelity to God. Judgment and doom because of the people's infidelity toward God. When the page turns from chapter 33 to chapter 34, we realize that Ezekiel not only has a word for the people, but he also has a word for the religious leaders of his day. And part of the infidelity that the prophet recognizes, that the prophet identifies, it, identifies uh, he places squarely on the shoulders of the religious leaders of the time. It seems that Ezekiel, at least in part when we get to chapter 34, connects the people's exile, their captivity, he connects their predicament to the failures of leadership by the so-called shepherds of Israel. Now in the first 10 verses of Ezekiel 34, verses that aren't part of the lectionary, verses that we did not hear read this morning, but are crucial for understanding the context and what's going on, Ezekiel in those first 10 verses of this chapter delivers a scathing condemnation of leaders, accusing them of governing with severity prioritizing personal gain over the well-being of the people and neglecting the interest of those reliant on their nurture and their care. Now, it's important to note two things. Number one, Ezekiel is talking to the religious leaders. He's talking to the religious leaders. He's not just talking about them. He is talking to them. This word that he has is direct and it's for them. He's not talking about Nebuchadnezzar. He's not talking about the politicians of Babylon. He's talking about the shepherds in, who have been called, rather, to tend to the flock of God. And this is what he says verbatim. He says, Woe, you shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatted calves, but you do not feed the sheep. You've not strengthened the weak. You've not healed the sick. You've not bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays. You've not sought the lost, but with force and harshness, you've ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. This is really important to understand. Ezekiel believes that this failure in leadership, this failure of the shepherds of Israel, that they 
are the reason, part of the reason that they are strangers and foreigners in this land called Babylon. They were scattered, he says, because there was no shepherd. It's probably better stated that they were scattered because there was no good shepherd. Now, this is not a secret, and it's not something we would want to whitewash or sugarcoat. The people of God throughout history have been failed by many a leader. The people of God throughout history have been failed by many a leader. Throughout history, there have been numerous examples where clergy have failed their congregations and their communities. There has been hypocrisy, abuse of power and authority. There have been moments of failure when it comes to pastoral and societal care across the generations. There have been clergy that have cozied up to power. There have been clergy that have embezzled and stolen church funds. There have been clergy that have kept silent when they should have spoken up and have spoken when they should have kept silent. There have been clergy who refuse to be transparent and hold wrongdoers accountable. There have been clergy that have sided with the powerful at the expense of the vulnerable. Unfortunately, what happened in Ezekiel's time is not something we're unfamiliar with in our own histories and in the history of the Christian church. We know religious leaders who have failed to live up to the standards and expectations of their calling. And God does not and will not tolerate these opportunistic, careless, and abusive practices from God's shepherds. God detests this kind of failure of leadership. So what happens when the shepherds fail the sheep? What happens when the shepherds fail the sheep? What happens when the shepherds neglect the flock? Well, Ezekiel says in, ver- in chapter 34, in the first 10 verses, that the sheep scatter. They scatter. They, the sheep disconnect from the community. In contemporary terms, might we say it like this, the sheep no longer attend worship. They no longer gather with other sheep to pray and to study and to serve and to fellowship. Something else happens, says Ezekiel, when the shepherds neglect the sheep. The sheep become food for wild animals. To analogize this idea for our current time, the sheep get swallowed up by neo-Marxist ideologies where the world and human relationships are only viewed through the lens of power and where secularism, fascism, and nihilism reigns. The sheep get swallowed up by right-wing fanaticism, often made manifest in racialized and religious nationalism. The sheep get swallowed up by the unending pursuit of pleasure and happiness to escape the drudgery and anxiety and hopelessness that constantly dogs them. Not only do the sheep scatter, but they also become food for the idolatrous wolves of our age. You know, it's quite vogue for clergy, and I've been part of this cohort, to lay the blame for the sheep scattering, meaning 
identifying the reason why people are disaffiliating with the church or disconnecting from Christian communities. It's vogue for clergy to put that at the feet of the pandemic or to say that churches are in decline because of youth sports on Sunday or because it's no longer a shroud of shame in our culture to admit that one lacks some sort of religious affiliation. Clergy have given many reasons why this disaffiliation has been happening. But might it be the case, might we entertain the possibility that part of the reason, perhaps one of the main reasons, the sheep are scattering in our time is because the shepherds have failed them. I recently heard about a clergy person in our denomination who wrote an email to a group of colleagues about a very controversial conversation they facilitated in their community at a particular event. And I'm sparing you the details because of the graphic and shocking nature of the content of this particular conversation that they facilitated. In the email, the clergy person expressed a sense of pride that they, quote, finally arrived as a leader. They finally arrived as a leader because they made so many people in their community angry for hosting this event. I mean, just think about that for a second. You've arrived because you've sowed division. You've arrived because you hosted a conversation that shouldn't have been given space to breathe in a Christian community, a conversation that actually alienated people, turned them off to your ministry and created this unity. In our time, it's become all too common for clergy to use social media to hurl insults, condemn other Christians, comment on every news story that pops up on their feed, and to use social media platforms to virtual, virtue signal that they are on the right side of this issue or that issue. I've heard and read sermons preached in PCUSA pulpits that simply regurgitate what was on CNN or MSNBC the night before. I've heard sermons where the gospel is conflated with a political party or political agenda. I know of a pastor in our presbytery who embezzled a quarter of a million dollars, stole it from his church. I know of clergy and denominational leaders who have moved predator pastors from one church to another without holding them accountable for their grotesque sins. I remember back in seminary in my second year preaching seminar, seminar my, my preceptor was a clergy person in a mainline tradition and they were pursuing their PhD in homiletics, their PhD in preaching. And after I preached a practice sermon in front of them and in front of the class, they literally said to me, the sermon was okay but there was too much Jesus in it. I'm not making it up. The reality today is that in far too many of our pulpits, Jesus and his lordship and salvific work and his moral standards are not being proclaimed at all. For the record, we clergy all have clay feet. I have at times been a lousy, lousy shepherd counted among the cohort Ezekiel critiqued. And I'm sure my colleagues would admit 
the same. So what dare we hope when there are crises of clergy leadership? What do we hope in the midst of bad shepherding that has scattered the sheep and has caused the sheep to be food for the idolatrous wolves of our age? What dare we hope when shepherds have failed the flock? I believe we can locate our hope in the hope of Ezekiel, the hope that this prophet spoke of in our text this morning. In Ezekiel 34, 11 to 16, a new kind of shepherd is promised. A new kind of shepherd is on the move. In the midst of the despair caused by the failures of human shepherds, God promises a new kind of shepherd. And this shepherd is described in Ezekiel as none other than the Lord. Qualities of this new shepherd are love and guidance and commitment to seek the lost and bring back the scattered, to heal the wounded and the injured. It's a shepherd who cares deeply for each individual sheep and cares for the flock as a whole. In verses 20 to 24 that Ben read for us, Ezekiel prophesies about a time when God will set a new shepherd over the people. This new leader will be a descendant of David embodying justice, righteousness, and the pursuit of unity. And Christians know this shepherd's name. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the new kind of shepherd to correct and replace the self-centered and misguided leaders we far too often come to know. Jesus is this good shepherd. He knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. And his relationship with the sheep is marked by intimacy and trust. Moreover, Jesus' sheep will never perish. There is eternal security under the watchful care of the good shepherd. And we know, as it says in 1 Peter, that we can cast our cares on Christ because he cares for us. He sees us in our full humanity, strengths and weaknesses, our deepest longings, needs, and desires, and he cares for us for us, for he is the good shepherd. Even when we think no one cares, he cares. And that is assured. Even when the earthly shepherds fail, and they will fail, Christ never fails. Christ and only Christ is the good shepherd. Only he is Lord. So friends, put your ultimate eternal trust in Christ For he alone is trustworthy. He is the Son of God. He is the Lord. And he will not fail. I want to close with this. I realize that that much of my focus this morning uh, has been somewhat narrow, uh, fixated or fixing uh, on the role of earthly shepherds called to tend to the people of God. Some of you might even be thinking, um, shouldn't you be preaching this sermon to clergy and not lay folk like us? Perhaps, perhaps. But I also think it's vitally important for you to hear this so that you as a congregation set a very high bar for the shepherds who encourage you in your friendship with God and in your faith in Christ. For if we all come under the care of a new kind of shepherd, all of us, one who will not let us down, one who will care for us, then we should become a new kind of sheep, which includes clergy and pastors 
and Christian leaders, they become new too. And the standard for the Christian life and Christian leadership is the good shepherd. And that is a very, very high bar. And so the sheep should be empowered to hold their earthly shepherds to this high standard. Shepherds, are you prioritizing the needs of our community over promoting your personal brand or personal gain or comfort? Shepherds, in what ways are you actively strengthening the weak and providing support for those who are vulnerable? Shepherds, can you share examples of ministries aimed at healing the sick and binding up the injured, demonstrating your commitment to the well-being of those you serve? Shepherds, how do you approach the task of bringing back those who may have strayed from the community? And what efforts are made to seek out and support the lost? Shepherds, in what manner do you exercise your leadership? And how do you ensure that it's characterized by compassion and understanding and moral integrity? Shepherds, how do you guard against the potential misuse of power and authority, ensuring that your leadership remains focused on the well-being of the entire flock? Shepherds, what steps do you take to ensure that your leadership is inclusive? addressing the needs of all members regardless of their circumstances or background. These questions and ones like them shouldn't be off limits for congregations to ask their pastors. This new kind of shepherd, Jesus the Christ, is the standard. And so may all our shepherds, all the ones that God have, has placed in our lives to shepherd us by God's grace, may all our shepherds live into his goodness and emulate his way of care, compassion, reconciliation, and love for the sake of all sheep and the sake of the world. Amen.